Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. My accent was so bad as a kid. I went to the University of Massachusetts, and the kids at UMass made fun of my Boston accent. Did they really? Pete <laughs> In the name of the Father, the Son, Fourth and Twelve. <laughs> and SI's Pat Forty. The people who should be experts in college sports punted on this. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, I'm legally obligated to start this podcast with some fake outrage. <laughs> we have to do what we can here at college football to make it exciting. Jimbo Fisher wants to beat Nick Saban's ass. <laughs> oh, my God. In a much to do about nothing, but we, we still find it highly entertaining. Jimbo Fisher was uh, talking at a booster function. Things got a little out of hand. Someone said, can we ever beat Texas? Could Texas A&M ever beat Alabama or do we need Nick Saban to retire? That got old Jimbo's ire up and he said, we're going to beat their ass. <laughs> Salty language, Jimbo. Did he say when? Didn't say when. Okay. Nick Saban responded later in golf. <laughs> uh, Jimbo immediately kind of realized what he said and went with, I respect everything Alabama does, how they do it. We can we can do it just as good or be better, and we will, all this different stuff. They've worked together. They've been friends. They're both from West Virginia. They're both putting together an admirable effort. to. They're going to team up and try to somehow help stop the opioid problems in West Virginia. However, I don't really care. What is he supposed to say? Yeah, you want to beat his ass. I mean, you get dude's getting paid 75 freaking million dollars. You don't sit there and go, well, we're just a little old Texas A&M. We ain't going to be able to do it. We did see Coach O in a leaked locker room video say, um, then they play the next time and it was 222 to zero at halftime. <laughs> 224. 224. I think Saban said going into the game that they, they feel confident in the way they play Alabama and we have to change their mindset. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Change your mindset. Jimbo bite off a little more than he can chew here. Uh, should, should he be worried about what's going to happen next year? Will Saban completely unoffended, pretend he's offended, and, and turn this into propaganda for his players? Pat Forty, your thoughts on this important scandal? <laughs> Of course he will. Uh, should Jimbo be concerned? Yes. Should he have said what he said? Yes. 
You know, you're talking to the Texas A&M boosters that you are trying to get to continue make your program like the highest funded program in America. So you better tell them what they want to hear. And that's what they want to hear. The problem then, of course, is following through on that. You're going from campaign stump speech to actually promises delivered. There is a difference between we want to beat their ass and we're going to beat their ass. And Jimbo went with we're going to beat their ass. My question, again, is when? Will it be three years after Nick Saban retires when they finally beat their ass? Or is it going to be this year or sometime in the near future? You know, A&M had its best team in I don't know how long last year, and they still got smoked by Alabama. Of course, it was one of Alabama's best teams ever as well. The better A&M is, the better the SEC is and the better the SEC West is because we've seen those challengers kind of come and go for the during the Saban era. You know, there's a couple times Gus Malzahn got him, Roll Tide FU, the Coach O got him one time. A&M back, if you go back to Sumlin and Manziel, got him one time. It would be great if somebody's looking him in the eye on an annual basis. Uh, we'll see whether A&M is frankly, as well-suited as anybody to get there, them and LSU, I think. So uh, bring it on. That's great. I, I, I want more chirpy, chatty, chesty Jimbo, and, uh, and let's get it going. Well, it's the spring, right? So first of all, as we sit in the oasis of no news in the desert searching for water, this was like an Aquafina valve opening up above from the heavens, gracing us with, uh, with, with good pod fodder manna. So we appreciate any and all SEC trash talking. There's not enough of it. We need more of it. So thank you. Thank you, Jimbo. Thank you for what in 1987 would have been an innocuous and forgettable booster comment that, you know, pound the table, fill the, fill the coffers with your donations is now just uh, – Ricocheting through the uh, through the internet and Twitter sphere, giving us uh, giving us delicious morsels of uh, of springtime goodness. So, that said, since it is spring and spring is a time of optimism, every offense is going to be uh, opened up. Every defense is going to be more aggressive and blitz more. Every new coordinator is bringing in magical schemes to make mediocre players better. It is spring. So we are going to be optimistic in the spring. And we're going to say Texas A&M, which had statistically the best defense in the SEC last year, returns nearly all of its players and can compete for the SEC title. This is the best chance Jimbo Fisher has had. We're obviously going to need to see it. And with Alabama, you really need to see it against Alabama. But I am right now just not going to coronate Alabama with all of their massive losses and turnover and coordinator turnover and you know there's not two first round picks anymore at receiver like the last two years there's only one so i am just not ready to coronate the tide i need a foil and jimbo is volunteering to be the foil and he's being a provocative foil so god bless you jimbo fisher win the offseason find a quarterback and give us some hope so it is just not this like alabama death march to the title game again so I, you know, I looked at a, a number of the preseason top 25s, the spring, post-spring, or the way too earlys or whatever, and it, and it seems like everybody's got the same top five. Alabama, the Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oklahoma seem to be everyone's, in some order, uh, your top five. And then there's the others. And A&M is sort of that question mark is they're, they're sitting at everyone else's seven, eight, nine, whatever. Could they be the one, but there's just no, no obviously no one's going to jump out and say, yep. A&M's this is the year 
A&M's going, uh, going to win this thing. But it, it's sort of a fair question is like, when? I, we all think A&M has this, uh, just enormous potential to be f- phenomenal. They actually have more potential to be good than Alabama. If you just look at certain things like just proximity to talent and all the different things. And Jimbo is a national championship coach and all that. Um, they do have an excellent defense, but you don't win with defense anymore. And they got to find a quarterback because Mond is gone. So I think they got Haynes King. It's maybe the guy steps in and he is he it. They have a terrific running game, all the different things. But like what's successful at this point for Jimbo and AM? And what's what's is it fair to expect them to beat them? They get Alabama at home this year. You know, I mean, we joke about it. It's not like Texas AM should just be sitting around acting like we can't ever beat them. What's what's a fair look for AM this year and how long are people happy with uh you know getting back to being really really good which is what they're at yeah no, I, well it's a great question I, I will say this like if they get the quarterback they should be much uh improved offensively because i mean like the, all their skill guys are back all their running backs all their receivers you know i mean they they should be pretty explosive if they get the quarterback they got a couple holes to fill on the offensive line as well but you know, if not now, when you got they are coming to College Station, as you noted, Alabama, as Pete noted, Alabama, tremendous losses, but it's also Alabama, tremendous talent coming up, getting their chance now. But if you are sitting there and you're Texas A&M, you, you've got to feel like the time is now, you know, the future is today. As you said, they, they're paying Jimbo Fisher $75 million, not to just to go 10-2 and two and be the second-best team in the West. They want to be the best team in the West. And now he's saying, we're going to beat their ass. Okay, well, let's see. So I think, you know, the realistic expectation now is to compete top five in the country and compete for a playoff bid and try to beat Alabama. Those those are the three. That's the highest echelon of, of goals, I think, now. And if, if you can do those things, you can win a national championship. Uh, is it realistic year in and year out? I don't know. I mean, theoretically, it can be. But as of right now, eh, we'll see. You know, did they just manage to, to maximize a weird pandemic year? Or are they really now ready to arrive as a legit, you know, top five level program. Let me let me ask, add this to this, Pete. It, it, is A and M the second best team right now, if not program in the SEC West, or is or could you see LSU or Ole Miss? Good, good question. I, I think right now you'd slot them there. Uh, I mean, Ole Miss is relentlessly fascinating, not just because Kiffin is a lovable firecracker, right? Like um, they've gotten talent, they've recruited, they have momentum, they have that offense. Lane Kiffin randomly fired his offensive line coach just because he's Lane Kiffin and like needed something to do the other day. But right now, when you uh, when when you look at the uh, when you look at the West, yeah, I mean, you have to uh, you you have to put them there. Like I, I think Auburn is going to take a step or two back before they move forward under under Brian Harson. So yeah, I, I would say right now they're they're two of the bullet and Ole Miss is three when when you do that. Uh I had called up the Texas AM schedule. There's no like 
greater spring thing than just call up the schedule of something. So, you know, you, you know, you're like a degenerate when you get excited in like May to like look at that. And really, we probably started uh, Pat and I probably started right at the final four. Right. Because you start thinking about it, you start talking about a team and it's like random yeah. team like, hey, NC State has 18 starters back, whatever. But what's their schedule? And then you like dive in and all of a sudden you're like, well, they're going to be six and oh, if they win that game and they're going to be going into. Oh, yeah. um, so like there is like there is an eternal feeling of hope every time you like Google ahead and, and look at the uh, at the schedule. And if you are a Texas A&M fan, you love your schedule. I mean, if correct me if I'm wrong, Clemson fell off and Colorado came on. Yes. Right. Yeah. So like they're at Clems- a- they're at Colorado September 11th. Other than that, they're walking into Alabama. They should be. Yeah, and they should so that be was, undefeated. That was two years ago, obviously. They played Clemson. It was conference only last season. So, yeah. like, when, when you take a look back um, to, like, where, you know, why they're not taking a step forward. Well, shoot, I mean, Clemson, that's a bad home. You know, that's a tough home and home for, for, for a team in the West that's trying to keep its nose above water. So, they have Kent State early. Kent State led the nation in, in offense last season. I think that uh, may have been because of Mac-only games. I mean, they're, they're very good and very dynamic under Sean Lewis. And uh, they'll probably, like, you know, score a few touchdowns. But yeah, I, I don't think Kent State's going to be a problem for uh, Texas A&M. I think they're going to win at Colorado. Um, New Mexico will be interesting. Terry Wilson, obviously, is familiar to SEC fans. He's their quarterback uh, next season. Then they have Arkansas and Arlington, Mississippi State at home. So, I mean, look, this is where schedules spring eternal. Because they're like, oh, they're going to be 5-0 and with Alabama coming to town on October 9th. I mean, Pat and I could book that our hotel rooms in the, that Marriott in Birmingham right now, like for the October 8th to 10th, because we'll all be at that game. Except it's going to be in College no. Station, right? Yeah, I have fallen. Oh, I'm sorry. Birmingham. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I yeah. read that wrong. My apologies. Got to book that, yeah. like, underwhelming College Station Spring Hill or whatever it is, Courtyard. Yeah, I, I booked that <laughs> in Houston it. and just yeah. slog that drive. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's... There's that the, logistically Texas a is a tough place, but we can it's talk tough. about that on, on another uh, on another podcast. Um, the manager of that hotel was the only person the entire trip that I was down there for a Tennessee game that talked trash. I, I cannot stand that fan base. Like, be mean to me on the road. Like, I don't want like, how are you doing? You need any suggestions on where to eat? I'm like, no, talk trash to me. Like, I want, I'm on the road to the SEC. Too nice. Too nice. Yeah, they're too nice. Nice. You really are fatalist, Sully. You're a Tennessee fan who just looks like wants vitriol. Like, yeah. They're like, oh, there's only seven of you coming to town. And like, as we're walking in the door, they just feel bad for you now. Yeah, right. Can I circle back to two things real quick here? Are we going with lovable now for Kiffin? Are we really? Do I have to? Do I have to get on board with that? Well, not lovable. I mean, lovable in a way that like he's provided us more podcast fodder. Amusing. Than any single human. Sure. Yes. Less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lovable is probably the law word because he's, uh, you know what? He's like endearingly abrasive. How about that? That's, yeah. Um, that, that, yeah. That'll yes. fly. Yeah. Like, like, I love the character of Lane Kiffin. How about that? Like the caricature of Lane Kiffin and just like the outsized, he has that like innate ability. He just can't help himself. So, yeah, no. I, I mean, look, like, you know, God bless Gus Malzahn. He didn't say an interesting thing his entire time at Auburn, right? So, like, you know, who do we want here? Like, oh, yeah, you know, no, no. so I, I love his content and his fo- and, and the fodder that Lane Kiffin brings us. So, um, I mean, he's he's given us, you know, when you think back to, like, the airport runway, the deflating yeah. balls, the uniform yeah, changes, getting fired before the national title game, <laughs> the 72-yard field goal, um, you know, like, like, that's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I give that whole package a hug. There's <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey pumping ass. gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Like Lane Kiffin was 
specifically tailor-made for this modern media era. Yes. I mean, there's, yeah, there's really other, no, no way to say, it. um, <laughs> he's been great, but yeah, if you, I, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna make you love him that. That's not, that's not it. We're just gonna, we're, you know, we're gonna end up talking about him a lot more than we're gonna end up talking about, uh, you know, Shane Beamer or Clark Lee or, uh, you know, any, uh, a, a lot of those other folks in that, uh, in that footprint. So, um, keep, keep it coming lane. Don't stop. So, uh, where were oh, we? Oh, sorry. We'll go discussion? back to the schedule. Yeah. No. We'll go back to the schedule. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Texas yeah. A&M. That was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my other point. Yes. Is that, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, like Memorial Weekend to me is like, okay, I'm going to get, find my Phil Steele, and now I'm going to start looking at those schedules. And that's when you, we all start prophesying greatness or disaster for people based on that. So. Does Phil Steele give you a kickback, Pat? What's yeah, that? yeah. Do you get a kickback from Phil Steele? You're always on. Yeah. No, no Athlon. No, no, uh, no. Phil's got Street all the Smith. numbers, man. All those numbers. It's, I love it. I, I do love. Uh, I always like the layout of the Sporting News one, and, you know, and stuff. Yeah. I think they still do. There's something Phil great. Makes you cross-eyed. I mean, it's great, and the numbers are great. But my God, like it's too yeah, much. The, whoever lays it out should be should have been fired ten years ago. There is a great summer there. day, though, when you get this, you get one of those bags yeah. and it's still yeah. even though all this information, I can go to FBschedules.com and read eight year. It's just you sit down, you go through it's it yeah. is the magazine is still the best form of that. And it's like you start dreaming of it all. And, and then you're like looking at a league and you're like, who do they have? And you flip the schedule back and you go like, OK, yeah. they're they're going to be four and going into that game. <laughs> they, they should be three and one that. Yeah, like that's. Uh, I uh, there's there's a uh, Barnes and Noble in Quincy where I go by every year, like all of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and and it, it sometimes comes in the mail. Sometimes you get them or, or whatever. But like I love leaving with that sack of oh, yeah. of, of, of magazines. Old and school. I always take one day and uh, go down, you know, in the summer on um, vacation, go down to the beach on Cape Cod, leave my phone at home. <laughs> and just for the next four hours, <laughs> I am just going to sit here and just devour all of these. Um, yes, that is. That is blurs. When that gets old, that's when uh, that's when you hang up the uh, you know that's when you go become a professor. Um, <laughs> but that's there is there's something just the, the power of possibility is why we do this, right? You know, it's why we show up. It's why we flip the game on. Like that's the magic of sports. And yeah, I to me those magazines because then you get nostalgic. You remember like well, at one time those were like one of your only outlets to find information. Oh, right, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Well, and I, oh, you'd be like so and so transferred or like yeah. wait, they yeah. have a good <laughs> they got a quarter, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, I, I will gladly age myself and go back to the Gutenberg printing press days. But uh, in the mid 70s, when Street and Smith was basically the only magazine and all the covers, they would do the, the, the covers of the players with no face mask on. So they would put what, like an old tiny just helmet top on with no face mask so you could see their face. But, you know, I remember like uh, Anthony Davis from USC on the cover with that, you know, that look and everything. And yes, going through and I would predict like every team's record before the season would start in like 1975. You know, that, that was living, baby. Pat was Gutenberg's beat writer, actually. Uh, they, they had some, they had some tiffs, you know, <laughs> I don't think, uh, girls were a big part of Pat's life at that time. Uh, I don't think that was, I was so. 11. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, we all did it. I, is A&M going to be any good? Well, I think I, I tried to set up a damn <laughs> topic here. This is what I get for being prepared.
<laughs> yes, Haynes King chose AM over Tennessee. He's a certified stud. That's just that's science. <laughs> wow. I mean if, if t- Tennessee but, was trying to get him, he must have been great. No doubt. No, yeah. But let me put it this way on AM. They will only be an underdog on one game on their schedule right now. Potentially two because they're at all miss, but I would think, you know, that's it. pick them. Um, What's their East crossover on, games? Depending on where they are. So they have uh, at Missouri, okay. and then they have South Carolina at home. Oh, boy. So yeah, that would be set up. slot set up. machine win-win. Quarterback um, and offensive yeah. linemen, they come through. and Yes, yes. They are, uh, are going to take the Mac Brown uh, offseason award this year, You know, much like the Fulmer Cup was named for that. Anyone who wins the offseason – and by the time like kickoff comes, like we expect them to make the playoff. You know what I mean? Because like That's the combination of returning starters and schedule, there's always this like magic man. And then some team disappoints, and it's like, well, they really weren't that good. They just won the offseason. So I am nominating today Texas A&M for my Mac Brown Memorial offseason win. I I predicted Oklahoma would do it the day they won that bowl game. Yeah, you did. And Oklahoma's a lot of number ones. The real one that that where that the Mac Brown offseason one makes no sense is when a team returns 19 starters from like going eight and four <laughs> and everyone's yeah. all excited. It's like, no, those guys just aren't that good. Yeah, like right. they went eight and four. Now that is yeah. a year older doesn't necessarily mean that they're so uh, yeah. and they're everyone they're good enough to this year. Everybody's, City Bowl. everybody's yeah. returning starters like <laughs> yeah. everybody's back. Oh. Yeah. That yeah. I, I think Liberty has twenty-seven starters back. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. everybody's well, back. It's yeah. it's the year of the super senior, and it's the year of the returning starter. Yeah. Um, so, and especially the lower you go, the more starters you're going to have returning. Um, when I was in uh, Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament, I went down to Ball State. They have sixteen super seniors and eighteen starters returning from a MAC title team. I mean, they they I mean, they blew out San Jose in the uh, in the bowl game, and so it's. And it's great, and it's going to be an all-time historically good Ball State team because, you know, they had great players, and they want to come back, and they want to do it in front of fans. But they also, like, are good enough to go to the NFL for the most part. So they had a couple of dudes go. But for the most part, like, but then I Googled, they're not even – Utah State has more super seniors. Uh, NC State has a bunch of starters returning. Wake Forest does. I, if you are a Power 5 generally, like, have not non-consistent top 25 team, you are going to have a lot of dudes back. And uh, yeah, returning starter numbers are going to be have to viewed through a different prism this year. Uh, but I do think it becomes an advantage for a team like Wake Forest if they're all their offensive line returns. You got a bunch of old twenty three year old dudes. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I just think that you know that generally helps. All right, let's get to this one. Strange na- name, image, and likeness bills that are getting passed around the country. We've had these kind of weird things. Florida tried to delay theirs for a year for some reason. We have no idea why. Uh, there was an uproar and they, that got changed. And then Georgia has passed theirs, but then they had this bizarre clause in this bill uh, that uh, I will read it. Team contracts may provide for a pooling arrangement. Pooling, that's what they're calling it. Also known as taxes. Uh, pooling <laughs> arrangement where student athletes who receive compensation for the use of their name, image, and likeness agree to contribute a portion of the compensation they receive to a fund for the benefit of individuals previously enrolled as student athletes in the same school. And it cannot equal more than 75%. It goes into an escrow, blah, blah, blah. So in the Georgia thing, a school, if they can get their players to agree, but the players have no power, so they'll have to agree, 
it, they're not going to do this at the University of Georgia. They said they're not going to do this. But let's say JT Daniels makes $1 million, and I'm just throwing a round number out there. God bless him if he does. In name, image, and likeness, they can take 750000 of it and distribute it to other student-athletes, former student-athletes. They can basically tax JT Daniels and take his money. I'm, this is a bizarre clause. Who, who lobbied for this? <laughs> <laughs> who came question. up with it? Yeah. I don't Who's... I don't get it. If the idea is, hey, we should let people make their money, but then let's let them make it and then take it. <laughs> <laughs> like I I was not a division one student athlete. I had to work in the summers and stuff like that. Or you have a campus job. You don't get, get your paycheck at the end of the week and then say, oh, I got to give 75 percent to the other students. <laughs> Like, what kind of name, image, and likeness is you profiting off of your name, image, and likeness? (laughs) These schools have been profiting off of your performance and name, image, and likeness for decades. Like, it's it's completely counterintuitive to what this entire movement should be going towards. What in the world is this? This is the strangest (laughs) bill. Like, if they already take 95, 99% of the money that JT, that a football player makes and gives it to all the other sports for, I mean, it's all football money that's funding everything in college athletics. There's some basketball schools make money a little, and you might make money in a few other sports. If you're in certain places, you know, a certain women's basketball team, a certain hockey program, a certain, some of those gymnastics, they fill the gym. But for the most part, they're all losers. They're all money losers, except for football. The SEC network, the big 10 network exists because of football. Everything's football. So they're already taking all the football money and giving it. And now they want to do this. Pat, make sense of this for me, please. What are the Georgia legislature? I know you are a Georgia legislative correspondent. What are these morons thinking? He also has a son who would have been impacted by this, too. Yeah. They would have stole your... An interesting wrinkle, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Clayton would have been able to get some of JT Daniels' money, apparently. So... No, like, how long did it take Georgia to sprint with Nicole Hardman's speed to get out in front of this and say, we're not doing that because this is becomes a clear recruiting disadvantage at a time, you know, when you are trying to sell the opportunity to market yourself and that Alabama literally uh, took that step this week by introducing the Alabama advantage program where they're, they're basically saying, we know how to help build your brand and your social media following and all this sort of thing. You know, so when Alabama is doing that and Georgia's legislature saying, yeah, now we're going to take the money away from you guys. Uh, that's not really what the Bulldogs and Kirby Smart wanted to hear. So that's why they got in front of like, no, the University of Georgia is not going to do that. And I would say Georgia Tech would certainly want to get into the same um, conversation there and say, we would not like to do this. Th- this to me... I don't know, Dan, like how this came to be, but it it smacks to me of legislatures who are on on board with the the name image likeness only so far, and we still need to make sure these athletes are in their place, and you know, understanding how lucky they are. And you get some of those type of people that's that that are very grudgingly uh, embracing name, image, and likeness. And so this, I think, is an offshoot of that. It's going to be just interesting, like all the different. You know, all these NCAA rules we got passed over the years and we spent a lot of time on unintended consequences, right? Like like what's going to happen and how the reverberations go and everything. And this is going to be so vast and so wide. There are – and people have spent a lot of time thinking about this. There are going to be a million things like you haven't thought about. Like 
Here's, here's one thing that popped in my mind yesterday. I was flipping through Instagram and uh, I follow a photographer who used to work with that uh, at Sports Illustrated who's based in Boston. And he had some hashtags saying like, like, don't steal my photos basically and use them yourself. And in my back of my mind, I was like, you know, who's going to become like the most important person on football staff is like the house photographer, because you have like these iconic moments. Remember, remember Lamar Jackson, like flipping into the end zone at Syracuse. That was his Heisman moment. Yeah. I mean, hurdling like, the like, player. Yeah. 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 yeah the, but yeah. The Desmond so these, Howard like, pose. There was a big correct. lawsuit over that one. Who owned yes. it? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no picture at Syracuse in the carrier dome of the Hakeem Warwick block. The most, oh you know, iconic yeah. thing and the most iconic moment in, in, in school basketball history, because the only guy who got it from the angle on the floor was like either the Kansas House photographer or like the Lawrence Journal War or something. So they, they, they don't like own it. So there's going to be this like land rush for the moment, like the sug shot, who has the shot, who owns the shot, how the player gets the shot to like put it on their thing. Anyway, I just my mind went down this rabbit hole and this wasn't really our discussion, but it kind of is our discussion. Like that at the Alabama advantage, build our brand. Like, you know, at first it was like, who has more analysts, who has more recruiting analysts, who has more, you know, there, it was, first of all, when I started in covering cost, it was stadium size, right? Well, Tennessee stadium is this size. So Michigan's is this size. And yeah. then it was like TV contracts became bigger than stadium size and weight rooms, it's just, weight rooms indoors. <laughs> it's, it's now going to be, Oh, okay. You have, five in-house photographers to capture your moment like we're gonna have seven we're gonna like like it's it, you know it's the arms race you saw it early on clemson did a great job social media they were the best of it they they didn't have enough local media presence so they created their own local media basically um you know that Dabo did this early uh dan radakovich graham neff and those guys and they had a lot of students help and it was organic and it was fun like so all these different aspects of the programs are just going to change so exponentially o over time and uh yeah but I i'm trying to think of like of uh of, of last season what, what you know like every season has one or two of those iconic pictures where you see it and you're the like Vonta man smith catch over lsu the the grab in the end zone the yes. one-handed snag Yes. Oh, so, yeah. like, there's always those like frozen moments. You, you, uh, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you, you, you remember them and you know them, and they end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated over the years, like as they kind of go. Like, I wonder, Pat, like an SI cover is like a huge iconic thing for a uh, for a college athlete. Like, does SI lend that image to the player? I don't, I don't know. Like, these are like literally questions like we don't know and don't have to address. But like, if they let like. You know, Sam, say Sam Howell is on the cover of your college football preview. I have no idea. You know, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft next year. He's one of the bold faced names in, you know, coming up like in they, you know, like SI had always done those like kitschy covers with, college, you know, they're always fun. Like, can Sam Howell use that for prop? I don't know. Like, it's uh, we're just entering a brave new world with a whole new set of rules and regulations. And I don't know if any either you find that particularly interesting or thought provoking, but th that was just like a little rabbit hole my mind went down. Well, I I think it also uh, I found it pretty interesting. So good job, good job, Pete. Okay, thanks. Yeah, um, good round. Um, Pat's frozen on my screen, so I just didn't so. know if he was bored and not moving or <laughs> he's frozen. <laughs> he he's frozen. Pat, Pat died. Pat died. I actually yeah. left. But yeah. it's a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm still here. I think this also goes back to something we've hit many, many times: is that the NCA needed to solve this problem themselves and not have state legislatures come up with the rules because yeah. what the hell is this rule like i i'm more baffled I, I assume no one's going to follow the rule but i'm just more baffled that who the hell even proposed this like in some <laughs> subcommittee or some yeah. lobbying like how does 
we're going to go back to that old, like, how does a bill become a law? But that ain't how it becomes a law, right? Like, it's <laughs> like, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill, but I think um, this Somebody, thing, Nobody's saying that to Tommy Tuberville before. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Tommy Tuberville, he's like, I'm over in Alabama and on my phone. Um, I don't know. This was a bu- just just utterly bizarre. Someone needs to teach yeah. Tommy how to make a bill. But that's the thing. Can. I mean, the people who should be experts in college sports punted on this. Yeah. The NCAA. And so all of a sudden now we get politicians who are trying to be experts on 13 other things saying, yeah, we'll take we'll take care of this, too. Yeah. One of the amusing things that has happened in the last couple of weeks in college sports that we haven't really touched on is that the NCAA is basically the number two guy there. Got him Donald Remy, who made like one point three million dollars a year. Is that what was his title, Pat? Chief legal officer or. Yeah, but he was he just basically he became the number two guy. He was yeah, the, being the number two guy, but he was he's a lawyer. He's a bright guy, really. Uh, you know, but they like, like lost every legal battle for like 10 years. And so he just bounced and went to uh, the, the the White uh, the cabinet, White House, whatever. He's in Washington now t- taking a massive pay cut, probably. But like, I mean, that guy was like the uh, I mean, he his legal record would have been like the uh, historical it's like Eastern the Charlie Michigan Weiss football record. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Charlie Weiss at Kansas. Greg Robinson at Syracuse. Money. Yeah. yeah. Like like, yeah. yeah. Made a ton of money, hung a lot of L's. Uh, <laughs> he was a good quote on occasion, but he left and everybody was like, well, I mean, we couldn't do worse. So, like, let's uh, let's let's kind of roll on. And you know, not easy. Go. Not easy being that a lawyer. Right? Donald Remy, not, you have a lot yeah. of bad facts. The attorney sometimes yes. calls yes. bad yes. facts. Like my client was found with the gun. Yeah, um, it's bad. Our presidents just want to keep making money, and they don't want change. So just kind of like uh, how much we can do. Just kind of set a set a filibuster in the courtroom and uh, and go from there. So just and here and here we are. All right, people. Speaking of NCAA, you kind of walked into this. Uh, <laughs> random NCAA bureaucrats. Pat got a email from a podcast listener, Marty Wilder. Pat, you want to explain this whole situation? <laughs> Marty Wilder, my my favorite podcast listener, I will say now. Now? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, appears to be a Michigan fan and and certainly the smartest of all Michigan fans. Uh, said, Pat, first huge fan of the podcast. Many thanks to the three of you for the endless hours of entertainment you provide all your listeners with. That sets up an insult every time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The next paragraph is always, you know, the hammer to the back of the yeah, head. Well, yeah, well, first, and also many ADs hate listening this thing, just hoping we don't mention their name because we're True. just awful, <laughs> mean people. So, I, did, I, I heard from one who listens while he jogs, and he said he jogs a little faster when he gets angry listening to some of our stuff, some of our BS. Anyway, I tried to find an email for Pete, but was unable to find it. So hopefully you can relay this message to him or at least help me understand this. Whenever Mark Emmert comes up, Pete always seems to say Mark Emmert and not Emmert. Is this like how Dan is just incapable of pronouncing (laughs) Dabo Swinney properly? Is it a Boston thing? Probably. Does he not understand what he's saying? On Monday's May 3rd party, said Emirate at 33.27 and again at 33.36. This guy's He's got it down to the second. Pete's mispronunciations. <laughs> I had heard Pete say Emirate so many times on the pod, I began to question if it was myself who had been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. No, Marty, you're right. Pete is wrong. 
Congratulations, Marty Wilder, for being my new favorite listener. So Pat is the Annunciation King of the podcast for who pronounces so. no names wrong. You, you, you win the Mac Brown Offseason Award, Pat, for uh, for empty pod victories. It's the only pod. It's going to mess with my head. Now. I'll take it. How do I say it? I don't even want to. Now I'm all. Yeah, I'm no, I, I got Marty's email in my in my tip account, and I read it after, and I was, and then like I started to think about it, and like my brain froze, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to move on to the next thing. We appreciate you listening, Marty. We appreciate the the feedback and the critiques. We are certainly all open to feedback. Uh, yeah, I'm yes. horrible. But I should not what, have a what? job with verbal communication is involved. <laughs> and somehow I do. I learned how to speak English in the city of Boston. My accent was so bad as a kid. I went to the University of Massachusetts and the kids at UMass made fun of my Boston accent. <laughs> Did they really? It's the freaking city in the state. OK, there's only one real city. That's it. They made fun of me anyway. Then I had to move to the Midwest and I had tried to get rid of my accent, which is just butchered English completely. So I, I feel like it's a second language and I screw it all up. So I have no excuse. Well, just all right. Pete, for, for Marty, let's just go through this. Dan, what's the name of the Clemson football coach? Dabo Sweeney. Close. <laughs> Pete, what's the name of the president of the NCAA? Mark Emmert. Yeah. All right. We got one out of two. Good job. <laughs> Uh, anyway. I don't think Dan should should pronounce Dabo's name ever. Like I, I don't think I don't, he change back. Like you, it's, I you feel own it. bad. It's brand. Yeah. I've spoken to him and clearly yeah, called him by the wrong stories name. about him. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you wrote the first great big stories about Dabo. Got into his background. That's and, true. You know, oh, he's he's a, my he guy. A powerful story. And uh, yeah, he wasn't even any yeah. good back then. They weren't yeah. even good. And <laughs> and uh, he'd be like, "Man, I think we're gonna beat Florida State one day." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and now I, I clearly sat directly in front of the guy and mispronounced his name the whole time. Anyway, let's get to something else that uh, I'm, I'm now conflicted about. Okay. Uh, if you remember earlier this year, Sully and I took an ill-fated, uh, made an ill-fated decision to start gambling heavy on uh, FCS football. <laughs> got the Final Four coming up this weekend. We got a tip. Gardner-Webb was playing Presbyterian, and Gardner-Webb, Presbyterian had uh, no scholarship players. They had gone no scholarship and had a COVID outbreak. They had like 12 players on the team. It was like the cast of All-American. They're too cheap to have uh, enough extras on that show. So the football <laughs> team meetings have like seven guys in it. And uh, Presbyterian uh, pulled the uh, betting upset and screwed Sully and I. And like it's, uh, it made me quit. It, the, it was good. It was actually good for me. I quit <laughs> betting on FCS football. But anyway, the Blue Hose are back. The Blue Hose have made the greatest coaching hire of the offseason. That's right. Kevin Kelly, who was the high school coach at Pulaski Academy in Little Rock, Arkansas, who I've written many columns about. I love Coach Kelly, is now the coach at Presbyterian. And I'm so excited I may become Presbyterian. What do you got to believe to be Presbyterian? <laughs> <laughs> you have to believe in not punting. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, in the name of the Father, the Son, fourth and twelve. Yeah. No punts unless you're backed up inside your own like five yard line. He onside kicks every time. He blitzes all the time. He does not believe in field position. He thinks turnovers change everything. He often will not even try to return a kick because too many there's too many injuries and things go wrong. He's an absolute savant. He's got this all sorts of crazy things, and he turned Pulaski Academy into a powerhouse 
in, in Arkansas. It's fascinating to listen to. It got so crazy that Bill Belichick one time just calls him up to talk football. He, he said that was that, there's an unusual one. He's a damn coach, high school coach in Arkansas, and he thinks one of his buddies is pranking him. But then he's like, it kind of sounds like Bill Belichick, and none of my friends could do that good of an imitation. Uh, he is now the coach at Presbyterian, and I am now a Presbyterian fan and possibly a Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what happens. How do you convert? Is there holy water involved? Um, I, I'm looking up some stuff here right now. I've got the Presbyterian doctrine going on. Okay, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? You either have to convert fourth and 16 or you have to uh, somehow alter your religious views. <laughs> it is a confessional tradition. So that means I guess you got to go to confession, Dan. That could that be a long that one. That could take a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clear some time. Camp. Yeah. <laughs> clear a couple hours. And then you so. have to perform a perfectly executed onside kick and have it turn over a couple times all right well i will study pat how excited are you about this hire very excited um it is a i would say a pretty wild thing to go from a high school coach to a division one but it is fcs and it's non-scholarship fcs and who the hell really cares so why not i mean i think it's i think it's fantastic i it will 1,000% 1,000% generate more interest in Presbyterian football than has ever been generated before, other than you and Sully hate watching uh, them <laughs> lose that game. And I, w- I wish we had the text thread because that was great. You guys just <laughs> viciously, <laughs> viciously ripping uh, Gar- Gardner-Webb for losing to that, that game. But it, it, Pat not having the technological awareness to get off the text thread because he clearly didn't want to be on it anymore. <laughs> oh, remember he was mad because we were yes. texting nonstop. First off, Gardner-Webb won the damn game. They just didn't cover. Yeah, well, that, that was the important part. It, that it got the guy fired, though, that got Coach Kelly in. So we're, we're in favor of this. Yes. Can we hey, adopt we- them as our pod team? Yes, they are definitely the 2021 team of the pod, I think. I'm going to get everybody the Book of Confessions, which apparently the (laughs) Presbyterian Church of USA has has adopted. Oh, boy. So we're going to have that. I'm clean. I got nothing. (laughs) We could do dramatic readings of the Book of Confessions and Pat's disingenuous Drifter Bobby Petrino column in like June (laughs) when we have nothing nothing else to talk about. Let me read some of the beliefs of Coach Kelly. Okay. Yeah. As, uh, this is my last column I did on him, which was 2018. We attempt onside kicks 100% of the time. Kelly believes and has the data, he says, to back it up that the opportunity to create a turnover via an onside kick is greater than the loss of field position from a failed kick. His teams also never or almost never punt because the chance to run four downs worth of plays is seen as more valuable than field position especially with high school punters. Pulaski also receives kicks with an unusual formations, creating space and limiting penalties and injuries. It blitz often because sacks change the game more than allowing a first down. And so he also came up with this. He had a whole concept that he explained to Belichick on how to handle the new way that he used to set up onside, uh, like the kick NFL kickoffs. So guys, he's fascinating. Will this work? Which could you try this in major college football? Why not? I don't know if this is major college football, but yeah, I mean, I, I predict it will not work because they're not going to have very good players, but I can't wait to watch it and see how it unfolds and see how other colleges react to it. You know, it, it's a genius hire, if only because if you are offering non-scholarship football, which I believe Dan said Presbyterian is non-scholarship, uh, you are basically having a football team for attention, right? Like you're not you're not spending the millions necessary to be competitive. So therefore, you are going to get 
boatloads of attention. So whoever the AD is at Presbyterian should uh, should should raise a glass to himself tonight or herself tonight because that is just a they they have created like a fascinating football experiment. Like Presbyterian is the new Grinnell. Remember for all those years yeah. in like the early two thousands when Grinnell really like pushed the game of basketball forward if you really want to look back. So Grinnell's just a tiny college in Iowa and they just played the most up-tempo, three-point only, crazy, like frenetic style of basketball, which 10, 15 years later is like really where basketball went and where it headed, you know, where like you have the NATO, it's all threes, no, all threes and laps. But now Grinnell did it to the extreme, extreme, extreme where you had to shoot within X time of the shot clock or whatever. But anyway, here we are a decade later talking about Grinnell, which is a great academic school, but they probably don't exactly fit in our podcast wheelhouse, uh, you know, like Alabama and Texas A&M. So Presbyterian becomes a fascinating football experiment, which if you're a president and you're an athletic director is a genius move because when the Presbyterian score comes up on that first Saturday or Thursday or whenever they kick off, we're going to want to know if they won. We're going to know why they won. We're going to flip the game on if it's on on a Thursday because we're going to want to see how many of the onside kicks they're going to get. I'm fascinated. They are brilliant. I'm all in. All right. Other trendsetters this week. University of Notre Dame. Notre Dame is starting what could be a, uh, if you want to buy stock, the outdoor billboard business. Uh, this could be your uh, this could be your tip. This is your stock tip. It's a learner. I don't know what the the big company is that has outdoor billboards. But Notre Dame is buying billboards that uh, show the names of their players in various cities around the country. I'm Matt Salerno. I'm from Los Angeles, and I chose Notre Dame. Um, they've got them all over Atlanta, St. Louis. Notre Dame obviously recruits all over. This isn't totally new. University of Oregon basketball used to do this. And put they put billboards up wherever they got players. Shiano uh, did it at Rutgers. I don't know if he did it with players, but remember Rutgers like blitzed South Florida back in the early two thousands. Yeah, 2000s. right, right. And then uh, we've seen Heisman campaigns. Like, didn't Oregon buy a, a Joey Harrington? Joey Harrington. Yeah, and Joey Harrington was in Times Square. Times Square. But is this the new arms race? Are we just going to have billboards everywhere with just random? mug shots of uh, college football players telling us that uh, some some guy somewhere near you uh, went uh, somewhere. Is this going to be was, it? Pat, should I buy the stock? Well, that was my first thought was, oh, good. College football programs have found another way to spend money. Great. <laughs> see, as, they, 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 as if they didn't have enough ways. Yeah. Now, as Pete said, we're going to have seven photographers now on staff and we're going to buy well, how many guys you got on scholarship? 85 billboards across America now for every team. That's that's awesome. Um, look, I understand the logic behind it, especially if you're Notre Dame uh, and you are you want to make sure that presence remains felt in those areas where you want to recruit. And you put those guys up there and, you know, some of these guys are going to the NFL. And if you're like Kyle Hamilton will be an NFL player. You theoretically, Atlanta athletes see that they may think, oh, Notre Dame. Yeah, look at that. He's going to go, you know, he's going to be a pro. But again, I mean, is this just silly excess? I think probably uh, ultimately, I don't think, you know, necessarily this is going to be a proven recruiting strategy. I think this is just this is attention and this is muscle flexing and this is showing, hey, we can we can go and recruit where we want to and where we need to. And in Notre Dame's case, it's abundantly proven. But is it actually going to result in anything other than people saying, whoa, look at those billboards from Notre Dame? I doubt it. Well, Pat, have you seen a Desmond Ritter billboard in Louisville? Uh, <laughs> I, 
Ryan Coslin, faithful podcast listener, uh, intrepid Cincinnati SID, had told me at some juncture that Cincinnati was putting up billboards in, really? I believe there's a Desmond Ritter billboard in Louisville. Have you huh. have you witnessed that driving down <laughs> Brubaker Parkway or whatever, Pat? I have not. No, the only sports billboard I've seen is Will Smith, the Dodgers catcher from Louisville uh, with, the, with the World Series trophy, but no, no Desmond yeah. Ritter that I've seen. I, I could be wrong about that, but I, Cincinnati did do a billboard blitz, I believe, around the city in Cincinnati. Um, they, they're, they've been big since Luke Fickle's gotten there. Tubbs, we, ever, we always end up talking about Tubbs, don't we? Tubbs, Tubbs ignored Cincinnati and went and took a bunch of guys from Florida. It didn't work out very well. But so Cincinnati's identity since Ohio State defensive coordinator Luke Fickle arrived there five years ago or so was like, we're going to we're going to put a fence around the city and we're going to do that. So they've doubled down. So Notre Dame is not the only one who's done that. It's been done in the past. It's been done in different ways. Here's the thing now with like name, image and likeness. It's just like what makes no sense. Like, so if you're going to spend ten thousand dollars on a billboard can't you just give kyle hamilton ten grand <laughs> like, that, like you know that thought does come to mind yeah we're so, gonna put your I mean, face up there buddy but you get none of yeah. this these are ugly billboards poor job by notre dame <laughs> they, they got the guys like picture for the media guide like that that grimace like it's not they show an action shot or something. They could it have looks come like, up with better player art. Yeah, it looks like like it's like an amber alert for like a big <laughs> huge. <laughs> we got we got Ann Leibowitz Wetzel here on the podcast critiquing all the uh, critiquing all the pictures. <laughs> Do you have the uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum paintings in your basement, Dan? Is there something yeah. you need to tell us? Um, I know a lot about art. I'm a very yes. big on art. <laughs> You're an aesthetics guy, Dan. That's what I think of when I think of you. I mean, look at this Selfies one. Selfies for... on Instagram, all, all, uh, a lot of filters with Dan. Jack Kaiser, okay? And I feel bad for you, Jack. You're probably a handsome young man. But this picture <laughs> you got in the Hamilton Town Center in Indiana looks like something like, if seen, call the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> look at this billboard. It's like, what is this? I mean, does Jack Kaiser want that picture hanging over his hometown? He's going to go back like during spring break and not a single girl is going to want to talk to him from his old high school. Like, man, what is going on with that Kaiser, dude? I saw a billboard or something. I hope Mrs. Kaiser doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm sorry. I That you're not doing you. They're doing you dirty there, man. You got to get a better picture. That's just not it. A giant like. I mean, I don't blame him. He didn't know it. He wasn't like, hey, take we're going to take your picture. And you don't sit there and go, oh, that'll probably be on a huge billboard in my hometown. No, you don't think that. <laughs> Bad job, Irish. Bad job. Prove yourself. Amber Alert billboards from Notre Dame. That's great. Be better. Uh, All right. Speaking of crime, <laughs> let's get to this one. As uh, faithful listeners know, we got very excited last year. Uh, at least I did when I found out about the partying scene at the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. I always thought Missouri was the boring estate on the planet. And nobody, nobody told me about this Lake of the Ozarks situation where everyone gets together and just gets hammered uh, on the lake and these like crazy bars, including Shady Gators, Shady Gators. Remember, there was a there was one guy who got COVID and they literally had to have a write up of all the bars he went to yeah. in the Lake of the Ozarks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, was he went a, to several. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 14 straight hours of drinking and it was like yeah. one quick stop at a pizza place to like car bloat. <laughs> yeah. Our guy got around and Shady Gators anyway, was his main spot. So somehow this is now a college football story. I really don't know. 
But the, the headline of the uh, Daily Beast is Botox, Speedboats, and an Alleged Murder Plot. The case tearing apart the Ozarks. All right. So the story, uh, we've got this uh, picture. Uh, and this woman is wearing a Shady Gators T-shirt, no doubt, standing in front of a speedboat. I believe this is the Botox person. I'm uh, just guessing uh, that they're referring to. Uh, her name's uh, Leanne Bauman. She is a realtor in uh, the area. So if you need any, she's not arrested yet. If you need any uh, property, uh, give her a call. Anyway, she's been accused of trying to kill her mother-in-law, uh, hiring someone to to do it. There's all sorts of crazy stuff in this story. Uh, but the part that really um, stood out to me, uh, besides the fact that her mugshot has more makeup than I've ever seen in my life, um, <laughs> is the the price to kill her mother-in-law she she allegedly agreed to was $1500. That was it, $1500. And uh this is my question for you guys. Then we could people's court this. <laughs> if you were going to have someone murdered for you, okay, if <laughs> what point do you spend like what number would you pay? Do you really want to go bargain basement on this? Feels like, you know, gr going group on <laughs> on a on a murder plot, you're probably going to get caught. I think you got to pay for quality. Oh. I wouldn't go anything under twenty five thousand. I'm fifteen hundred. Do you think overpaying guarantees like great results? I think you got a better well, chance. Yeah, you know what? That's the thing. I'd rather have the high priced heart surgeon than the cut rate heart surgeon. And yeah. I think by the same token, I'd rather have the high priced hitman than the low priced hitman because. You don't want somebody that's going to botch the job. Some Where do you find hitmen? Like, is there like is, is there like a Craigslist like uh, <laughs> listing? Do you service? Is there like a back, yes, on, a back on, on bar Craigslist. at Shady Gators service. where you can like show up at happy hour? And it, it, how do you price shop? Right. Like first off, the, everyone yeah. at Shady Gators is a hitman. Everybody. So uh, as a Presbyterian, I cannot reveal that anymore. But. Yeah. This is part I don't of the think it's hard for at Shady for Gators to find a hitman for fifteen hundred. <laughs> and what are you doing agreeing to this? You're gonna kill somebody. <laughs> Have some respect, man. Demand a fair wage. Fifteen dollar minimum wage. They're, they're driving down the market. They're driving down the market. It's true. Oh, does, what does it take? A hundred hours to plot. Does it take a hundred hours to plot and and execute? And then and then cover up a murder. I would think so. That's fifteen dollars an hour. Like, come on, man. <laughs> so basically, you know, like what it pay, what you're paying the third shift manager at Wawa is is what is being paid here. Can you so. can you pick the weapon? Like like if it's if it's five hundred bucks, is it like a butter knife? Um, you know, well, is, do you oh, get, it's do you get like bob shots. <laughs> if it's if it's twenty five grand, do you you know is it like cyanide would seem to be like a like an easier cleanup maybe? Like does that uh, does that involve? I don't know. I just I'd a be, la carte. Uh, you go a la yeah. carte on a the menu because you're like you want the person tortured. You want it quick and easy. <laughs> I think. Oh my God. Dan Wessel, criminal genius here. We're, we're getting all the all the dirt. I there's what I love though about the story. Give the Daily Beast credit for just pimping the headlines out as hard as they could for this story. I mean, start Botox, speedboats, and an alleged murder plot, colon, the case tearing apart the Ozarks, and then slanted red lettering. Who's telling the truth? But then my favorite, the subhead, Leon <laughs> Bauman's supporters say she's been framed.
her ex and her ex friend said she wanted to bump off grandma. That's just fantastic headline writing. All right, here, here yeah, is even a, the Yahoo headline writers look at that headline and they're like, "Yeah, that's sensationalistic." <laughs> that, that is here is the, the uh, clickbait during the uh, in, in court. We have court papers here. Uh, the probable cause statement says this this person CK who's like the informant kind of person told Bauman the hitman, the hitmen who's multiple. Which how do you split this? God, <laughs> even worse, the hitmen would charge fifteen hundred for the deed. And Bauman allegedly replied, oh, okay, that's a reasonable price. <laughs> what and she said she'd head yeah, to the like bank. That's like a big bar following. tab at Shady Gators, right? <laughs> like, you know, you have, you have an all-day banger. It's 1500 yeah. bucks. That's, I mean, because that's, yeah, you're paying for the, for the kind of criminal masterminds that you end up with that scene in Fargo where they're stuffing the leg into the wood chipper, you know? I mean, <laughs> Those guys just, did a pretty good job. Well... Not good enough. Not good enough. Better than this. They rat. The, yeah. The rat. They ratted you're, you're, them out. Ratted. Ratted out before they even did the deed. No one got yeah. killed. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why this is a story. I want to go to the Lake of the Ozark. Somebody who has a Lake of the Ozark house, please call me. I was me. there last year at about this time of year, man. Really? I, again with the yeah. fishing trip? Again? <laughs> I don't get invited. <laughs> This time really was just with my family, I'm, okay? And, I'm but we starting to get the hint. <laughs> there were I'm no gonna other hire, sports writers I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to hire somebody. <laughs> I got 1500 bucks. I think. I'm going to scrap it together. Yeah. In, in a podcast that prides itself uh, on, on its ability to go off the rails, this may even be like a new achievement for us today. <laughs> I don't even know why this is. This is yes, Sully. I Sully have no idea why we're talking about this either, other than we like the Lake of the Ozarks. She was wearing Shady Gators. Shady but, Gators, that's it. I guess it is. I guess it is May seventh, right? Like May seventh. Yeah. We're here for you. You can only talk about name, image, and likeness so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll be back next week for you again. So right, uh, yeah. keep listening. Subscribe. Keep tell your friends. Sending stuff on Twitter because we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> it's a little, little, little dry out there right now. <laughs> talk to you next week.